Radio Drome. Episode 30-something of Radio Drome. I don't know, I kind of lost count. What is this, 33? Jared? <laughs> Brad? You guys don't know either? No. No. <laughs> I stopped numbering the episodes on the site after the fifth one that Jared and I did, and only because that was the last of our episodes. <laughs> I can't remember if you ever if you ever labeled the ones the mine and yours and Jared's. I can't not by not by number, not by number, just by t- by name of the show and name of the episode. Okay, and I, I know Jared wants to pimp some stuff, so let's just get it out of the way, foils. Woo! Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, foilrapproductions.com, all one word, is up and running right now. You can go to it. I think Josh is looking at it right now. You can see how much we charge for what services. Uh, you can even see a, a reel of our past projects. Uh, you can even uh, shoot, shoot us emails. And behind-the-scenes footage of Ashton Kutcher on Two and a Half Men. <laughs> <laughs> Game Report will have a page uh, and a sub a subdomain very soon. Uh, I tried to launch the Game Report uh, at the same time, but it, it was it was just a, a lot of work for for the for the approach that I was going for. Um, so what you're saying, actually, Jared, is you, you were lazy on that one? Too much work? No, I was. It, it okay, like. I I uh I designed that site on a website called wix.com wix.com and um it it's it's great because it's a lot of drag and drop for uh for flash websites. Well, the problem was that first uh in order for me to post blip tv web uh or blip tv videos, I had to use an html widget to embed the video right there on the page. And then if I wanted to add another video, then I had to manually move the old video down, put the new video there, and it, it just, with yeah. with Brad and, and his uh, side, it's, it's all automatic. Well, I mean, I do have to, whenever the video gets uploaded to Blip, I have to copy the HTML code from Blip and put it into the quick blogcast entry but I don't have to manually move the old move ones down. down. Yeah, right. it just I just put in the HTML code for the, the embedded video file, then click publish, and it's the most recent entry on there. Right, right. The, so, the, so that's, that's, that's the way my webpage works, too. The, on the, yeah, on, right. I, I use so, Blogspot. Yeah. Oh, oh. See, now I I actually just signed up for Blogspot, and uh, I I don't know what what do you think of that? Is it is that worth investing I, a bunch of time into? I I like it. It's easy. Keep in mind, I don't know crap about you know coding or HTML or any of that, so it's easy enough for me to continually update it and get the links to work in that. The only thing I don't like is I have an audible.com account and I cannot seem to figure out how to get those damn audible ads on there because every time I try it, they don't show up. So that's the only thing is I can't seem to figure out how to get the ads on the page. Come on, Jared. Just wait for them to bring back diaryx.com. <laughs> DiaryX. I don't even know. That sounds like, a, like an enema porn. Right. It was... Well, remember before before MySpace and all that where it was just like diary sites like uh, uh, Diary X was kind of popular around these parts and some people on LiveJournal and, and, and stuff like that and uh, like I, I had a page at one point on Diary X it was, it was like the f- 
Dot <laughs> Dear Diary, Pierre Kirby is so dreamy. <laughs> so, um, so, and then it ended when whatever server was on, like, crashed or something like that. Uh, and, and everyone lost all of their journal entries. Uh, <laughs> I mean, mine, it was, it was kind of like, well, okay, whatever, I'll just go off and do something else now, because mine was just a comedy thing. It wasn't, right. it wasn't me being serious. Well, uh, speaking was, of servers... In text. <laughs> speaking of servers, guys, you want to hear something really messed up? Jackalope server just melted down two days before we record this. You know why? Anonymous. Too much traffic. 3.8 million downloads in 30 days. Nice. For an internet radio station, that's not damn good. That's absolutely freaking amazing. That's so, good. So, I mean, does this mean that we're now going to get paid? And No, not, uh, n- not, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I, I, I can't give out any details. I've talked to you guys off mic about this, but there are things in the works that hopefully will be more than internet radio but by Christmas or summer of next year. Sweet. Wait, you did? I don't remember. I'll talk to you about it off mic, damn it, because I can't <laughs> okay, give you details. Okay. Jesus. Jesus, dear. I'm trying to avoid telling Thank you, and you're you. just goading me, man. <laughs> don't feed the troll. <laughs> exactly. So, foilratproductions.com. Check it out. Maybe throw them a little soon. bit of business if you're in Illinois. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And and you know, if the price is right, we will we will travel. I mean, if L.A. wants Foil Rap Productions to help them out with they don't. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> then I will travel. I mean, the the change the change up too. Would you travel for the change up too? As long as you got to take Jillian with you. You got hired to illegally bootleg a copy of Change Up Two. <laughs> theater, bring your um, <laughs> um, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are less dignified uh, jobs out there. So Judy I, Moody. You know what? I uh, honestly, honestly, you know what? I was telling a fan this earlier this week. I put Judy Moody above Zookeeper because Judy Moody. You know, yeah, I didn't like it, but that was only because it, it was a cutesy uh, kids movie, and it was and it was just so sweet, it gave me cavities. Yeah. But but Zookeeper was so friggin' bad. I mean, <laughs> it, it it just sh- it just the the entire movie was cliches wrapped yeah. tied into tied together cliches a chain of cliches. <laughs> that that review video that I did was no exaggeration. That. W- I told the mo- uh, the story of the movie right yeah. there. Well, I want to I want to bring up something, and this is not going to be the topic for the show. I don't want to spend more than a couple of minutes on this, and Brad might like this. Okay, you guys have seen how Spider Man in the Ultimate Universe is now going to be a half Filipino, half black kid. Well, I'm saying because I, I'm a purist. I think Spider Man should be white. I think Black Panther should be black. Okay, I don't yeah. think black characters should be changed to white, nor vice versa. I want to see, just to see how far people like Al Sharpton and that will defend this, I want someone to buy the rights to remake Shaft, starring Jason Statham as John Shaft. <laughs> I want, I want nice. that to happen, damn it. Brad will do it. <laughs> we got we to gotta get the money together, Brad, and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll remake yeah. St- Shaft with Jason Statham. We'll have Superfly, starring Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Shaft! Uh, right. <laughs> well, because it it came up again this week, Lawrence Fishburne has been cast as Perry White 
in the new Superman movie, a character that's been a white guy throughout his entire history, so let's, let's cast Lawrence Fishburne in that role. There's no reason for a black actor to be playing that white role. I, I'm going to be honest. You know what's screwing up comics are the movies. Because now these movies are, are bringing in new audiences and new money. So rather than the movies being adapted, ad, ad, adapted or adaptations of the comic books... Now these comic books are becoming adaptations of the movies. Oh, that's been happening for a while. As soon as the first Spider-Man movie came out, Green Goblin changed in the comics from the iconic costume to that stupid green armor. Yeah, and you see, that's that's ridiculous. That's that that should not be the case. And that's the same with X-Men. You know, getting out of the blue and yellow spandex for the black. Uh, yeah, spandex. as soon as the movie came out, I was very angry about that. Right. Right, and, and it's and it's ridiculous, and and now here we've got Marvel's Ultimate Universe, which which from what I understand, okay, keep in mind, everybody, here's my disclaimer: I have not picked up copy of X Men since Wolverine got his animanium put back in by Apocalypse, so so that that tells you how long it's been. But from what I understand, the, this Ultimate, I, I mean, a, a, according to the Ultimate Universe, Wolverine is no longer alive. Wolverine is no longer with us. Right. Well, and there's a there's a bunch of characters that are dead in the Ultimate oh, Universe. Oh yeah, yeah, and and they meet their demise in such gruesome ways, and it's like the Blob actually the Blob actually ate the Wasp. Yeah, yeah. What what what's what's up with that? What is up with that? Because it's because the Ultimate Universe is supposed to be the more mature. We're going for the college audience that they don't want just a bunch of guys beating each other up. They want people breaking bones. They well, want the graphicness, and that's what the Ultimate Universe is supposed to be, and it just pisses me off. Again, going to the race thing, and I'm sorry if I'm coming across like a Klansman here, Nick Fury's not black. <laughs> Nick Fury well, is not Samuel L. Jackson. Well, and I had somewhat of a problem with Daredevil. Kingpin. Yeah. I had a little bit of a problem with that, because it's like, you know, growing up, reading the comic books, watching the Spider-Man cartoon, he was a big, fat, white guy. Italian, you know? no less. Italian, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, but at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm also going to disclose, I am not a racist. I oh, just think I don't think it's. I mean, I'm not a racist either. You accusing me of that? It's a hard thing. To, it's a hard thing to talk about without someone being all defensive and calling you a racist. Right. I mean, I agree that certain characters just. They look a certain way. Yeah. Um, you know, what you said, Blade, the Black Panther, Shaft, you know, all them. Yeah. Versus, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, whoever. I now, mean, now certain watch. Characters, so like, certain characters just look... Look like Brad. Look. Brad, you know? do, you, do you think there'd be outcry if they remade the Jeffersons into a TV series starring Kevin James as George Jefferson? Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I think there would be an outcry if that happened? Yeah. yeah I do. Oh, but, but, that would but be then, awesome. no. <laughs> but, but then on the on the other side of the topic, do you know that Al Sharpton starred as Archie Bunker in a WB pilot to reboot All in the Family as a with a black family? Al Sharpton played Archie Bunker. I remember that sketch from Saturday from not Saturday Night Live from In Living Color when they did uh, 
All in the Family '91 or something like that. It was and it was a a, a black family it was the Bunkers. It was uh, Mark Wilmore, Larry Wilmore's brother. Uh, ex- except Larry this Mark. actually it really, happened. It was really, I mean, it was done. It was a spoof. Yeah, but it was really funny because Mark Wilmore did a really good Archie Bunker impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so that was that that, that was pretty. Fun. I didn't know they actually tried doing that as a. As a as an actual series, yeah, that's... yeah. They well look at the honeymooners with Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah, the honeymooners. Because yeah, when I think Ralph Cramden, I think Cedric the Entertainer. Well, I think you know, yeah. I mean, there's certainly, I th- I think that there's a double standard there. I think that there would be an outcry if, if it was like Kevin James playing George Jefferson. Right, right. And there's not going to be there. There wouldn't be if. If, I mean, someone might think it, you know, but... I, I guarantee you there's not going to be any outcry with this Will Smith Annie, where, where all the whole cast is black. There's not going to be any outcry over that. Will Smith Annie? Yeah, he's starring as Daddy Warbucks, and his daughter is playing Annie. It's a big, like, $100 million film. No, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, some... Uh, some, some <sighs> oh, honestly, honestly, I mean, you know, some characters, some characters I don't care. Some characters you I know, don't care. Oh, I, um, Say, okay, say what you will about this uh, uh, about this situation, uh, about about the whole uh, race uh, race issue. But the problem with that right there is Will Smith is just handing Hollywood to his kids. Stop it! <laughs> Your kids are not cute. <laughs> Make them work for it. Exactly. I mean, I don't remember John Forsythe handing William Forsythe into Hollywood. William Forsythe right. had to become a damn awesome actor to do that. Right. I, 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 Same I, with the Sheens. I don't think that one one thing though is I don't think that just because a character originated as whatever race means that from that point on they can only be played by yeah. a person of that race. Well, I, right. don't, I don't think that I don't think that at, at all in I'm, the least bit. I think it. I think really it just comes down to how iconic the character is, whether it's whether it's like yeah. Shaft or whether it's you know a character like that. Whether it's you wouldn't want a white guy playing Dolomite. You wouldn't want uh, <laughs> that. Would or, be funny. Or, you know, it depends. <laughs> it depends on how. I guess it depends on how intricate the look of a character is. Um, you, you know who I want to play. You know who I want to see playing Dolomite? Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I want to see him. That would be awesome. <laughs> what's it, what's his name? What's his real name? What's uh, Van, Robert Robert Van Winkle? Robert Van Winkle is <laughs> Dolomite. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, you know, I, I think that uh, what's his name? Craig Robinson. He good Dolomite. Craig from uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, he's, he's, he's on. Uh, yeah, he's on The Office. He, yeah. he would be a good. Brad, you you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see him do something like remaking Dolomite with Vanilla Ice and then never once bringing up the fact that he's not black. Not one character ever noticing that he's not black, I think would be great. Have you have you seen uh, Van Winkle lately? I mean, he's I mean, he's built. He's he's not really doing the whole rap thing anymore. He hasn't he's, been doing the rap. No, he's metal now, I think, isn't he? He's, huh? Isn't he metal now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, tattoos and all, man. Yeah, so, I don't know, that, that was just something that bothered me I wanted to talk to you about. And then, I, I watched something this week, Brad. Have you ever heard of the series The Highwayman from 87? Yeah. yeah. I watched the pilot movie. Have you ever seen the pilot movie? No. I cannot believe the cast in this! Okay, you got Sam Jones and Claudia Christian as the main characters. Mm-hmm. You have G. Gordon Liddy as the villain. 
<laughs> goes around with piano wire. The, for a great gang of bikers, you have Michael Berryman, Lyle Elzado, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and Bassacranji R- Richmond. <laughs> you have Jimmy Smits as an ex-biker, and Wings Hauser as a crooked cop. Sounds like the greatest TV movie ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this going, this cast is phenomenal. <laughs> what the hell? This cast is great. Yeah. <laughs> and Wingshauser, at first, I I kind of thought his role and Jimmy Smith's role was different. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, gee, he's a corrupt cop. Never saw Wingshauser play that before. <laughs> and it was kind of weird seeing Roddy Roddy Piper and Michael Berryman in the same biker gang. That's great. I bet. <laughs> so I just I watched that this week and I just thought that was amazing with that cast. Now, ref- now refresh my memory. Is Highwayman the one where he he's got this like big rig, this eighteen wheeler, and the cab converts into a helicopter? I was yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, unfortunately, Jared's right. That actually okay. happens in this show. Okay. Yeah. It can also turn I invisible. It, it, I, it can I turn invisible that. too. I, I saw that, and I'm just like, that is the baddest ass The Highwayman. I actually saw, because obviously they had to build that giant big rig that Jared's remembering. Somebody owns that. I saw some pictures of the modifications they did online. They just drive that thing around the country to, like, car shows and that. Oh, you gotta. You, that, that, I, uh, that icon? Oh, man, that, that's right there with the DeLorean. In fact, you gotta use you got to use that trailer truck to haul the DeLorean. See, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want a DeLorean. My wife will not let me get one because in Wisconsin, they are not street legal. So if I got one, I couldn't drive it. Why, why, why wouldn't it be street legal? Yeah. Because Wisconsin requires proof of insurance. You yeah. can't, no insurance company in Wisconsin will insure a DeLorean. Because, oh, because of the high cost of repairs, there's no yeah. Wisconsin insurance company, which, if you don't have insurance on it, that makes it non-street legal. <laughs> what, um, what, uh, what, would the, what would it be in Illinois? I mean, I, not, like I say, not like I see any DeLoreans driving around. Well, well, that doesn't mean they are there. Uh, they aren't there. I, I did, I, I swear to this <coughs> day, I've seen a DeLorean... Well, well, I did see one in in a local shop. Yeah, there there was a guy that was that was working on it for a customer. Yeah, and just recently, about two years ago ish, I saw one on Chatham Road down by uh, down by uh, a Knights Action Park, parked out there for sale. Yeah, I so wanted to scoop it up, but I just can't. I just can't afford it. Yeah, I need that's that's something that I yeah, they're. Ebay. They're all yeah. over eBay. Oh yeah, they are um, all over eBay. Yeah, one day, someday, I'll I'll get one. Brad, you know exactly what's gonna happen. Although with Jared's bad luck, I think this would happen more to Jared. The day you buy it and you take it like to the local Walgreens, you're gonna get hit by a drunk driver and total it out. Oh that's just yeah. the way it's gonna happen. That's the way it's gotta happen. <laughs> that's the way the universe gives you the fingers. <laughs> that that would be the universe giving me the finger. It's just like, oh, you son of a bitch. Exactly. There I go again. Or or, do, or can you nope. get away? The only things you can't say are and Yes. You're not allowed to say. So you can say bitch, hell, damn. Pretty much if you can say it on NBC, you're okay. Okay. But wait, can you say can you say now? Not in. Um, I've heard it a couple of times, but I know they frown upon it on there NBC. There was a period there 
where you could get away. Remember on Blue? I was going to say, NYPD Blue had a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know Comedy Central gets away with it. Chicago, well, Cable's different than Network, though, Jared. It's different rules than, than, uh, than Network. But um, uh, it, it first they first did it on Chicago Hope uh, when okay. Mark, Mark Harmon said it. Yep, I um, remember that. Well, and then on St. Elsewhere was the first uh, nudity when... Uh, I can't remember which character, but one of them quit, and he mooned the the boss, and that they showed the whole thing. And now, oh, wow. now, now, when you see uh, NYPD Blue in syndication, they cut out the nudity. Wow! They they even cut out the racial epithets. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of diffuses Sipowitz's character if he can't say those words. Yeah. What's up? Uh, by the way, let, let let's get on that topic for a little uh, for a little while. Okay. What is what is up with FCC standards? I mean. You know, for a while they're really lax. Then they tighten up. Now, now it just kind of seems like they're starting to lax, and then they tighten back up again. Something, it's like... something big. It's blown completely out of proportion by a bunch of nanny states who need to get a freaking life. We'll find something on TV to complain about, and because a handful of people complain about it, that makes it look like a million, millions of people are complaining about it, and the FCC will get all get all tight-assed about it. And the Janet Jackson thing. Mm. That was a big one, yeah. yeah. But that was cool. Well, and, and, oh, and, and that, by the way, I, I honestly miss that because I was living with, uh, living with a friend of mine and uh, he wanted... Uh, the night of the Super Bowl, instead of go, uh, staying at home watching the Super Bowl, he wanted to hang out with his quote-unquote street racer friends, right? Well, he... Which, by the way, these none of these guys were street racers. I, I'm, picture, were, I'm picturing like Paul Walker being the coolest of these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, they they only wish they could be Paul Walker. Um. So so we go to hang out uh, with these guys. We put a, a a we put a tape in the VCR. We program the VCR. We come home. We didn't program it right, and we missed everything. Oh, it's and not like we, you could have just gone online and watched it the next right, day. Right. Or the on next, the news time, the next night. Right, but at that time, uh, we were on dial-up internet, and oh, yeah, okay. it, just wasn't, it just wasn't worth it. So, so here we, you know, we're just kicking ourselves because one of the biggest things ever happened, and we missed it. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't see it live. I, I even if I, I want. I don't watch the Super Bowl, but even if I was watching the Super Bowl just for the sake of watching the commercials or whatever at some party, I wouldn't have even been watching the halftime show. So oh yeah. I I wouldn't have watched Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Are you kidding me? Well, I I remember a big one. Do you guys remember the show uh, Brooklyn South? Yeah. Did you ever watch the pilot, the very first episode? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember specific things about the episodes, but I remember the show. Okay, well, the the first episode, my wife and I watched that, you know, quote unquote, live when it was new. That was the first show to be rated TVMA. You got to remember the ratings was, were new then. I dare anybody to go get the DVD set, watch the entire first pre credit sequence, and not not go. I can't believe that aired on network TV. Yeah. That is the most graphically violent five minute sequence I have ever seen on network television. <laughs> They're like, let's test out this new rating system. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying, holy crap, they got away with a lot on CBS back then. CBS, even sometimes, like I was uh, flipping channels one time, and there was an episode of CSI Miami where it showed maggots eating uh, eating away at some guy's brain. 
they actually showed nudity on a CSI. They they had a parental advisory before the or when the commercial break got over that the, this following segment is for mature audiences, and they actually showed a brief shot of a woman's nipple. Oh, I thought no. that was kind of as sick as it is, groundbreaking. There's the thought. A nipple? Oh my god. Hey, at least, hey, it was not a CGI nipple, Brad. <laughs> I was about yeah. to say the same thing. <laughs> so that's something. And and Melinda Clark was in that episode, and she's awesome. <laughs> at least she was until she joined the cast of the OC. Then I lost a lot of respect for her. <laughs> I loved her on I loved her on Soldier of Fortune Incorporated and Return of the Living Dead Three and I've seen her in a bunch of different TV shows and then she joined the cast of the OC and I just I don't respect you anymore. Oh, if I if I lost respect for every actor who did something I didn't like, I wouldn't respect any actor. Eric Kirby. Eric Kirby was in like maybe one or two that were kind of like. Whatever. Like oh. Ninja the Magnificent. Uh, All right, Brad. Jason Statham starring in a Setzer and Freeberg movie. Jason Statham was in the Pink Panther. so He was? Yeah. But, but that still wasn't an epic movie movie. I, gun to my head, I don't know which one I would rather watch. Was, you know, I haven't seen Pink Panther. Is it that bad? Yeah. Because yeah. I liked the old Peter Sellers ones. Oh, I'm not talking about the good ones. <laughs> I'm talking about the Steve Martin Beyonce no I, I think it was Beyonce Knowles. Yeah. Uh Beyonce Beyonce Knowles movies. He's in he's in the first one. It's it's a it's a small part. He's the guy who I I think he's the guy whose murder they're investigating or something like that. Like he's some billionaire who's assassinated at some sporting event. Um but I still yeah, he, even with that said I still have a lot of respect for Jason Statham. He just did it. He was just happened to be in a terrible movie. When you have a big director like, say, Joe Dante or Rob Zombie or something doing an episode of CSI, do you ever see part of that director's style come through in the final you know, episode, or is it just me that, other than they usually bring some of their loyal cast members? Because I just watched the Joe Dante CSI New York episode, the Halloween one. Yeah. And other than Bruce Dern being in it, I said there's nothing in this that says screams Joe Dante to me. Yeah, like I watched when Tarantino directed the two-part episode on CSI, and there were definitely, in terms of the story and in terms of some of the casting, you could see it like John Saxon popping up, and even the story itself was it was it was done as sort of like a made like an homage to like a '70s made-for-TV movie, and you could tell because it used a lot of elements from uh, *The Longest Night*, um, but that's more in terms of the story of the episode and and the fact it had John Saxon in it. I mean, if I didn't know going into that that Tarantino had directed it, I wouldn't have been able to tell because it's still still shot like a CSI episode. It still looks like a CSI episode. It just has some story and and casting elements of a Tarantino movie. Yeah, because I I remember when they had the discussion about about Slee Stacks and Land of the Lost, I said, okay, that's a Tarantino element, definitely. Yeah, 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 exactly. In terms of how it was shot, it just looked like a CSI episode. Same thing with the CSI Miami that Rob Zombie did. Other than Malcolm McDowell and Sherry Moon and William Forsythe showing up, there was nothing in that that screamed Rob Zombie. Didn't even have a sweet 70s soundtrack? I don't think it did. I I do know, I read an interview with Rob Zombie, him and uh, David Caruso clashed a lot on the set. David Uh, Caruso and who clashed? Rob Zombie. Uh, that apparently those two did not get along. Crusoe hey did not man, want him doing I'm this. I'm the guy from Silver Spoons. 
<laughs> David Caruso was on Silver Spoon. He was on NYPD. What are you talking about, Jared? Are you thinking, are you thinking of? of Rick Schroeder? That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Not even the right decade. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Not even the right hair color. My bad, my bad. How do you confuse NYPD Blue with Silver oh, Spoons? You know, I mean, other than the fact that Rick Schroeder was on NYPD Blue, I get that. Thank but, you. But they were, like, years apart, Jared. Yeah. But Rick but, Schroeder replaced uh, Jimmy Smith. Yeah. It's it's nine degrees of separation. Come on. <laughs> I don't think Kevin Bacon was ever on Silver Spoons or NYPD Blue. <laughs> I, don't get, I, don't get, I don't get David Caruso confused with Sherry Stringfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, get, getting back on getting back on topic... <laughs> I don't know if Brian Singer still directs uh, uh, episode oh, House, House, yeah. but I, I I did see a lot of that. Like like whenever I watched X Men one and two, and, and then go back to uh, go back and watch House, I I really saw a lot of a lot of that style there. I think when you're dealing with an episodic TV show like that, the the producer's format is going to win out over the director's style. Yeah. Like like Brad was saying. Whereas it's different, I recently watched, I mean, I saw it when it first aired in like 96 or something. Joe Dante made a TV pilot for UPN that was aired as a TV movie called Warlord Battle for the Galaxy, starring John Corbett as Han Solo. (laughs) And it didn't feel like Joe Dante at all. There was absolutely nothing that screamed Joe Dante, other than, of course, you know, Dick Miller's in it and things like, you know, his regular cast has small roles. And it's just, that was a pilot, for God's sake. There wasn't even any format yet. Some stuff a, a director's style can can come through. Like, of course, when when you're looking at, like, Michael Mann and Miami Vice, that's purely, that's purely Michael Mann. Um, or even if it's like, I, I sometimes I notice it when... I notice a director style come through when, say, it's like an anthology series. Yeah, like Amazing Stories, like Scorsese's episode felt like Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even going back into the 70s, do you remember that that show Name of the Game? It, It was an alternating show that had linked continuities, but each week it would be like it would follow a newspaper publisher, then like a private eye, and then like a journalist, and they would alternate weeks. Steven Spielberg directed the episode L.A. 2017. Oh, yeah. And the episode feels Spielberg all the way through. And this is, I think this is even before Duel. I think all he'd done at that point was the two Night Gallery episodes. Yeah. And his style just eked all the way through this show. You could even see his style a little bit in that Joan Crawford Night Gallery one that he did. Which I believe was his first. Or, 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 yeah, I think it was. Or, or I, he, I know he did something on like Banach, one of those detective shows like Banachek or something, but yeah. I can't remember if that was after Night Gallery or before that. A, a director's style should shine through. I, I think that should over override the format. If you're paying for this guy's name, let him do what you're asking him to do. And also, if you're promoting it, if you're promoting the episode based on directing it like when they when they promoted the hell out of Tarantino directing uh directing CSI ER is to ER is the yeah his episode of ER I don't think I saw his episode of ER I remember I remember it was kind of the same thing where it just I remember like there was an element of Tarantino in there and that like a character got their ear cut off or something like that but I mean it, it was it just felt like another ER episode but anyway yeah especially if you're if you're promoting the fact that this that this director is 
is uh, is taking on this episode, then yeah, it it should feel like his style because people are tuning in because it's people who are tuning in who don't normally watch that show right. are tuning in because he directed. One of the weirdest instances of that was, and granted, I, I didn't see the episode, but I, I can't imagine that it was it was any different. Uh, that that sitcom that that sitcom from like. Seven years ago, Carradine did it. Was like complete savages or something like that. It was it was a, a laugh track sitcom. Oh, the, the the one Mel Gibson produced. Mel, Mel Gibson. Well, Mel Gibson directed and directed like a pilot, I think, or he directed at least one episode. Of he, it. he appeared in a couple of them too. He was a, a almost seventies ish gay biker cop. Yeah. What was the episode uh, entitled uh, "The Passion of the Savage"? No. I have no idea. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, again, it's like, that would be funny if you take this this laugh track sitcom like that and have it adapt to Mel Gibson's style of directing. Yeah, see, that's I was going to suggest that, like, if you're going to have Rob Zombie do CSI Miami, I want to see Rob Zombie direct a Two and a Half Men. That yeah, would be that no, would be interesting. I, I might actually watch that. <laughs> T- Tarantino directed Tarantino directed an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what I'd really like to see is someone like Tarantino or Zombie direct like a soap opera, like a Days of Our Lives or something. Yeah, yeah. That would be it. You'd actually get me to watch a soap opera. I, I know, wa- right? I haven't watched a soap opera since Dark Shadows went off the air. I haven't watched a soap opera since uh, the eight since. Uh, Patch was killed off on Days of Our Lives in the eighties. I I haven't. Uh, I I I kind of uh, I kind of picked up Days of Our Lives for a little while back when Stefano was switching babies. And See, I don't have any clue what you guys are talking about. I, I, I never I never watched those chick soap operas. I was gonna say we we mentioned Jimmy Kimmel Live and 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 uh, Brad told me this earlier today, so I I gotta shout it. I gotta shout it from the internet. Because I, I am so giddy about this, but speaking of crappy uh, talk, uh, late night talk shows, they finally canceled George Lopez tonight. Yeah! I agree with you, Jared. But calm the hell down. I do agree with you, though. I I I I, uh, I mentioned this on my Twitter. I mean, it's kind of a bummer because it filled that void that was left by the Magic Hour. <laughs> Which filled the void that was left by the Chevy Chase show. <laughs> See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat both of you. I, I miss Midnight Special. I'm going all the way back to the '70s. I miss oh. Midnight Special. Went back to Midnight Special. Nice. You know, because I remember Midnight Special, and then that was replaced by by Fridays and SCTV, and man, man they just could not get a, a solid anything to replace Midnight Special. But man, oh man, I, I just, I, I hate George Lopez. I mean, that guy is so not funny. I mean... Jared, oh. Jared, Kevin James or George Lopez? Kevin James. Even after Zookeeper? Yeah, Kevin James is actually way better than George Lopez. I, like- I, I would rather sit through another screening of the Zookeeper rather than an episode of the George Lopez uh, of the George Lopez George, show, George but... Lopez I, I I don't really I don't think I don't really think George Lopez is all that funny I I've always found his humor kind of redundant and the same oh, God. but I do respect the guy after severely calling out Carlos Mencia 
Um, well, so you, I, I you also I do have an element of respect. For you, you also do have to give him a little bit of respect for the overcoming dyslexia thing because I think that is something to applaud. No matter. Oh, I never knew he had dyslexia. I read somewhere that he had dyslexia when he was a kid. Did he? Yeah. No, so I, I, I got to give him that. I, I do. I, I certainly respect the guy, but I've I've, I've never found his, his it, it, all that. Fun. Yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those things where yeah, if I see him, you know, I'll shake his hand and I'll be like. Hey. George, good to be here. Uh, but I'll be like, I'm glad you're not on TV anymore. <laughs> Stay off TV, please. <laughs> Jared, were you this happy when Sharon Osbourne got canceled? No, no. I, I liked uh, I, I liked the Osbournes. You know, no, Ozzie he's talking about her. He's no, her, her talk show. I, I never watched it, so it, it never really... I was disappointed that that got canceled because the spoofs that they did of it on Saturday Night Live were kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, do you guys want to actually get into tonight's topic since we only got about uh, 15 minutes left? Oh, sure. oops. Sorry. No, no, it, that's fine. It's just um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Fright Night remake and the Fright Night. Can you call it a franchise if there's only two films in the original run? Is that a franchise? I didn't know Fright Night was a remake. Oh, wait, wait. Are wait, you serious? No, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I do remember now. Jillian and Sarah were talking about the original. you never seen the original Fright No, Night? no. Seen the original oh, Fright Night? The original Fright Night's fun. I haven't I haven't seen it in, in some years, but uh, I've I've got a copy of it downstairs. Jillian hasn't seen the original Fright Night, but I so I got a copy of it downstairs to, to show you her. Um, uh, the remake, I don't think it looks that bad. I think it looks. I mean, one thing that really pissed me off right away is they name check Twilight three times in the trailer alone. Dude, you're so like Twilight. Oh man, this isn't Twilight. I'm just going. Oh my God, this is going to be painful, isn't it? At least you know. At least, at least I'll say this about it. And this is why. And and me saying that, like, well, I guess it doesn't look too terrible, is based on two things. One, Colin Farrell looks really entertaining in it. And two, at least it's not dumbed down to a PG-13. I'll give it's, you that. It's sad that that's that that's something that. <laughs> that, it, that so many movies crap themselves down to a freaking PG-13 that it's to the point to where something like that can come out and you'll say, like, well, it might not be too bad because at least it's not PG-13. Well, see, w- one of the problems I have is some of the updating that they've done. They changed the Peter Vincent character from a washed-up 70s horror movie actor, horror host into a Chris Angel street magician. See, see, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that because I don't mind I don't mind it when remakes change certain things because if they're just going to do the same thing again, there's no point. I mean, you can argue that there's no point regardless, but there's definitely no point if they keep it exactly the same. So I don't have a problem with with uh right. a, a change a change like right. that. No, see, it, I don't have a problem in general with what you said. I have a problem with a Chris Angel style street magician. Now we got to be careful. We got to be careful because we're going to start getting into the whole Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Well, territory. I mean, it's the same, but like uh, with the, 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 the Chris Angel street magician, I, honestly, that doesn't bother me. I mean, because David Tennant will probably be pretty good in the part. What will bother me about Peter Vincent in this is because I'm, I'm, I, what, what makes me worried is is. I am worried, like, that he might not be in this all that much. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But... He's barely in the trailer. Yeah, the trailers, the first several trailers for the movie, he's nowhere to be found in them. And then eventually, they put out some trailers that's got him in it. 
that's one thing that will make me mad, is if Peter Vincent's barely in the movie. Dude, dude, dude. McLovin is in the movie. Well, well, that'll be, that'll, let me tell you something. That'll be great if uh, if uh, Chris Mintz plus goes the way of uh, Stephen Jeffries. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll be a, r- a real come from behind performance. It will, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Jeffries, who played uh, uh, Evil Ed in the original, Evil Ed in the original, the character that McLovin's playing in this, and they do a trip uh, hardcore gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. He's not. He's not joking, Jared. Yeah, he's not joking. He did a lot of hardcore gay porn films when his career hit the skids. I think Moon Forty Four was the last mainstream movie he did. He, uh, off the top of my head, uh, the main ones I I, def- I remember him the most from are, of course, Bright Night and uh, Fraternity Vacation. See, I remember him in Moon Forty Four, and uh, he was he was in one where it was like Catholic schoolboys raising trouble. He he like got an Oscar nomination for that one. Oh, I thought that was one of his gay porn. No, unfortunately. <laughs> well, but then I'm I'm in the minority on this next point. I love Fright Night Part Two. I think it's a superior film to the original. Fright Night Part Two. Uh, I haven't seen Fright Night Part Two since I was in junior high. Um, so I mean. I- I can't say one or the other about it. I mean, I remember the, the ending sequence, uh, uh, but I I can t- I can tell you that when I watched it, I th- I liked it just fine. When I watched it back then, I uh, I didn't think it was better than the first one. See, I do, uh, but a lot of people crap all over that one. That one is considered one of those black eyes on this masterpiece that is the original. And just like you and I disagreed on the Blair Witch Two versus Blair Witch thing. I honestly think Fright Night 2 is a far better film than the first one. And that's not discounting saying the first one's a bad film. I just think 2 is better. Yeah, 2, I, I, I'd I, have to watch it again. I, I haven't seen it since junior high. And I, I remember liking it just fine, but I, I didn't. I, I remember thinking it wasn't as good as the first one. But it also I'm a, has... I'm a, big, I'm a big Chris Sarandon fan, so... It, it, it also has uh, Tracy Lynn in Part 2. And if you grew up in the 80s, you grew up ogling Tracy Lynn because she's absolutely gorgeous. She's just beautiful. Oh, and it also adds a werewolf. You get a werewolf in part two as well. Yeah, because we know everything turns out great when you combine werewolves and vampires. Right. Hey, sometimes, some, <laughs> in the 80s, they did it right. In the 80s, that worked, man. I know, I know it did. It did work in the 80s. <laughs> well, what would you say is n- not the best? Your favorite vampire film of all time doesn't have to be the best vampire film. Just which one you like the most? Huge Dusk Till Dawn fan. Not saying it's the best. That's why I said if you like it, then that would be your pick. What about what about you, Foils? Huge Dusk Till Dawn fan. You know, I'm gonna be honest. Whenever I first saw the uh, uh, Fright Night trailer, and and remember, I I didn't know this was a remake at the time. I honestly rolled my eyes and thought, "Oh God, not another vampire movie." At least this, good or bad, at least this like a vampire movie. You know, I just, I just get tired of them because they've been done so many times, and so they, they, they a lot of movies have been done recently that call themselves vampire movies, no, but true. they're. You know, they're they play it very loosely with that. Um, this one, Fright Night, good or bad, the remake. Whether it turns out good, whether it turns out bad, at least it looks like a vampire movie. I, I will have to say that if I had if I had to pick, I, I would have to say Interview because uh, it was it was just this like 
epic of you know the the life of this uh, of this vampire that you know just kind of tries to survive you know and and he becomes a cinephile <laughs> okay my my pick's going to be somewhat of a weird one near dark is number 2 but yeah. i really love vamp with uh, oh i love vamp with, with grace grace jones and dd oh. pfeiffer i love that movie and dd oh, okay. pfeiffer is so cute in that movie too with her strap always falling down. Well, and, and her very 1987 hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Vamp is... I love Vamp. I, I, I introduced Jillian to that movie. Uh, uh, the, I, I saw that movie when I was a kid, and that's what made me a huge Robert Russler fan. So, yeah, I, I gotta go Vamp with Near Dark being a very close second. Mm-hmm. And Near Dark's another one of those ones that... I mean, really, when you get down to it, it's a vampire film, but... They don't really. It's not. It's kind of not a vampire film. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a vampire film that's not a vampire film that has one of the best casts of a vampire film I've ever seen. I mean, you got Tim Thomerson and Adrian Pazdar and Jennifer Wright and Lance Henriksen, Bill yeah. Paxton, Jeanette Goldstein. Uh, yeah. I, I I know there was at least one other big actor in that, and I'm going. This is awesome. This movie kicks ass. <laughs> It was a it was a it was a fun movie. Yeah, Near Dark's a fun movie. I like I like Vamp better, but uh, uh, Near Dark's fun. I, I'd put Vamp in my top three. Unfortunately, what killed Near Dark was it opened two weeks before a little movie called The Lost Boys. Yeah, no, Lost Boys is is a fine. Ooh, yeah. Lost Boys is a fine movie, but I certainly don't watch it as much as a lot of other people do. So, yeah, I I forgot about that, and 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 it's I guess all, it's all right, but. It, it has no sentiment. Maybe, value. maybe, uh, yeah, I, and 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 maybe because of that point, maybe that's why I forgot yeah. it. You know, whatever. Uh, uh, so, so I guess I will still pick an uh, interview uh, for my for my favorite vampire movie, but but Lost Boys will be uh, will probably be my uh, second. See, b- my 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 biggest problem with Lost Boys, I just cannot get over Bill S. Preston as a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Lost Boys, it's 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 okay. It, it's all right. It's it's just not. It's never been one of my favorite vampire movies. Uh, I, I definitely don't like it as much as a lot of other people do. But it's 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 a fine it's a fine movie. It, Jason Patrick is good in it. Kiefer Sutherland's good in it. I always kind of found the Frog Brothers really annoying. I I, I like the grandfather. The grandfather's great. He, yeah. He's really fun. It's the thing I always hated about Santa Clara: all the damn vampires. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. just drinking his root beer. You know, blood's everywhere, and it's like, okay, that's kind of a strange ending. And <laughs> I, I know for years they were trying to do those sequels. I haven't seen the sequels, but I've heard that they're just god-awful. Yeah, I've heard they're terrible, and I've I've seen the... No, I probably should watch. I, I've seen the Dusk Till Dawn sequels. How, how is the second one? I have, a rev, I have an old screener tape for Hangman's Daughter. Hangman's Daughter Hangman's Daughter was the third one. Oh, uh, third one, okay. The second one was Texas Blood Money. And it's one of the worst vampire movies I've ever seen. Really? I'm taking it, taking it you haven't seen Dracula 3000? Oh, no, I have. <laughs> uh, Dracula 3000 was... I mean, you got Udo Kier. That's pretty yeah. cool. And then you've got an hour and a half of Coolio running around smoking dope pretending he's in a Looney Tunes cartoon doing slapstick. <laughs> this is a space vampire movie? They use these camera angles in Dusk Till Dawn too that... Not even the most arrogant, pretentious film student would probably use. 
they use these really awful POV shots from behind the fangs angles. Um, a shot from inside a telephone, from in the middle of a telephone cord, peering oh. out. To, it, it, it's it's really ridiculous. And the movie is, it, it comes across more like a uh, like a late '90s, early 2000s made for uh, like sci-fi channel movie. Not like The Asylum and stuff like that, but certain. <laughs> Certainly, of the of the ones from around that time, it's 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 bad. It's really really bad. The third one is the, the Hangman's Daughter. It's not very good, but at least it feels like it belongs in that series. I mean, in the in the the third one, most a lot of it actually takes place in the bar. In the second one, the bar is in it for like two minutes. The guy just happens to stop in there. And then he gets bit, and then go. He and his friends go to rob a bank, and it's about them all turning into vampires inside of the bank. Okay. Because um, see, to me, the only the, thing I liked about the first one was Cheech Marin. The one, the third one, what? I said the only thing I liked about the first one was Cheech Marin. I love the first one, but the third one, uh, the third one, it at least has the same. It at least has a similar similar formula to the first one. The third one is a prequel. It's it's a western. Yeah. Um, it, it, it has the same basic formula where it's about a group of bandits and they take some people hostage and they end up at the bar. Vampires break out at the bar. They're fighting vampires through the rest of it. The reason why the third one doesn't really hold up that well compared to the first one is because, at least in my opinion, I I love Seth Gecko. I think Seth Gecko was a fantastic anti-hero in that movie. I think he was just a badass. Seth Gecko was a badass, and you, he was a bad guy, yeah, but you, you were with him through the movie. You rooted for him. You didn't want to see him get caught. You certainly didn't want to see him get killed. The third one, the bandits are bad guys. They're villains. They're You, you could care less if these people get captured, let alone survive at the, at the, at the titty twister. I, I hate I hate to cut this off here, but we are out of time. So um, foilwrapproductions.com. Yeah, I, I also wanted to uh, real quickly give a shout out to a fan that told me on Facebook uh, that he actually downloads his uh, these episodes to his iPod and listens on his commute to work. And I cannot remember his name. I, I'm actually in my message box on Facebook right now, trying to uh, trying to figure out which one it is, and I can't find it. So, dude, if you're listening, this is my generic shout out to you. I apologize for forgetting your name. Whenever you uh, whenever you download this uh, episode and hear it, hey, you have full permission to message me with uh, with an instant message uh, slap upside the head. No, I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna say this to sig out. Whoever that fan is, all you need to do is message Jillian and have her kick his ass. (laughs) (laughs) Night. Good night.
I'm bored. I'm bored.